everybody, this is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would likely benefit from a tagline. As I believe I just mentioned, I'm Hub, and I hope you're doing well this week. I'm having kind of a crazy week, I must say. I turned 40 the other day. Highly recommend it. It was a nice time, but then dealt with the subsequent hangover, which was, you know, a little bit less fun. Then I went and uh, paid my taxes and talked to an accountant, which made me feel very grown up. What made me feel slightly less grown up was at some point my accountant used the term usury, but he pronounced it funny because he said it ursery. And I thought to myself, ah, that sounds like it's bears that are money lenders. And then I just had a fun little time in my brain thinking about money lending bears and wasn't paying attention to what he was saying. And then finally thought to myself, wait a minute, why is my accountant using the word usury? No matter how delightfully he's pronouncing it, that's probably not a good thing. But by that time, it was too late. I was lost in my own little adventure where bears were lending me money at illegal rates. It was fun. The other thing that I thought of, just to, you know, let you know where my head's at and kind of provide a pre-apology for this show, because this is how my brain's working right now. Corey was also celebrating with me the other night, so we'll see how this show goes. Yeah, the level of joke that has been delighting me is, hey, if they hope open a Flintstones restaurant... I hope not everybody gets the Bronto burger and that giant rack of ribs that tips the car over, because I bet sometimes people would really enjoy some yabba dabba stew. Boy, I should probably edit out how hard I just laughed at that joke that I made that I acknowledge was a terrible joke. Anyway, without any further ado, let's ado this. I forgot to look up which of the rhymes you sent in I was going to use. So, alright, keeping with the theme, T-Rex Gladys Knight had some Triceratops pips. I hope you're not too dinosaur at the shitty synopsis. Rhyme. I'm so sorry. Defenders, number 9. October, 1973. Divide and Conquer. Written by Steve Englehart, drotted by Sal Buscema, with inks by Frank McLaughlin. Defenders Roll Call. Silver Surfer, Doctor Strange, Valkyrie, Hawkeye, Assembled Avengers, Iron Man, Mantis, Black Panther. Previously in the Avengers Defenders War, former Avenger and current douchebag Hawkeye started hanging out with our favorite non-team. What chain of events led the heroic archer to trade his allegiance from Avenger to Defender? Well, he sexually harassed two former teammates, then stalked and regular harassed the Hulk. So, you know, typical superhero stuff. So glad to have you aboard, buddy. Despotic extra-dimensional douchebag Dormammu teamed up with recently blinded Norse god of lies and general fuckery Loki to be evil bad guy best buddies. Dormammu wanted to lawyer his way out of a promise he had made not to invade the Earth, but to do that he had to trick the defenders into assembling a device called the Evil Eye. Hey, you know who's good at tricking superheroes? Loki, that's who! The deceitful duo deluded the defenders into believing that by reassembling the six pieces of the Evil Eye, each component of which looks like a sex toy jammed onto the end of a recorder, that they could de-statuify their old buddy the Black Knight who had been turned into stone on a previous adventure. The defenders split up, with each headed to a different part of the globe to retrieve a different section of the magical MacGuffin slash sex toy. Then Loki decided that Dormammu seemed like kind of a dick and probably wasn't going to restore his eyesight the way he said he was going to. Not only that, but the sightless supervillain was starting to suspect that his flame-headed space tyrant counterpart would probably fuck up Asgard pretty bad if he was in charge of reality. And Asgard is where Loki's favorite stuff is. So Loki popped into the Avengers mansion and told the mighty heroes that the defenders were a bunch of assholes bent on world domination and if they weren't stopped from assembling their magic sex toy, then the whole planet was fucked. At first, the Avengers were a little skeptical, but if you can't trust a literal god of lies who has been trying to destroy you since literally your first adventure, then who can you trust? Also, Loki's words seemed to confirm the gossip they heard about Doctor Strange from a literal inbred troglodyte they met in England a little while ago. With two super reliable sources of information like that, the Avengers decided that they must stop the Defenders at any cost. The Avengers dissembled, scattering their members to retrieve the sex toy horcruxes and thwart the Defenders. Vision and Scarlet Witch headed to Rurutu French Polynesia, where they found both a piece of the evil eye and the Silver Surfer. The Synthesoid 
Android and the Surfer had a lava splash fight in the mouth of a volcano. Surfer emerged victorious and headed back to Steve Sanctum Sanctorum, bearing his prize and the information that the Avengers were now the Defenders' mortal foes. Or, you know, immortal foes, depending on the Avenger in question. God, Zooks! What exotic locale will host Doctor Strange's mystical battle with his Avenger foes? Will Hawkeye go from regular harassing his new non-teammates to sexually harassing them? And is the band name The Sex Toy Horcrux is already taken? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, so, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yes, of course he will. Fucking archers. And gosh, I actually kind of hope it is, because I don't really have the time to start a new band, but man, that'd just be leaving money on the table. Sex Toy Horcruxes. Anyway. The Silver Surfer bursts into Steve's sanctum and gives him the news that the Avengers are hell-bent on thwarting their plans. Steve's like, I totally believe that you're right, but let me just mystically Google that real quick, just for funsies. A brief consultation with the Eye of Agamotto reveals that the Avengers have recently had Loki over for a visit, and that one of their new members, the Swordsman, used to be a supervillain. Good enough for Steve, who doesn't just jump, but levitates to the conclusion that the Avengers are now evil and being mind-controlled by Loki. Fair enough. Doc Strange sends out an astral telegram to his non-teammate saying, Hey, you know how you're going as fast as you can to retrieve those mystical sex toy horcruxes? Well, go faster. Oh, and also the Avengers are probably going to try to kill you. Okay, bye. Steve's mystical nagging reaches Val and Hawkeye as they are arriving in Monterey, Mexico. Hawkeye is confused because even though he resents the heck out of the Avengers for not giving him the sexual attention he thought he was entitled to, he didn't think they were actually evil which is a pretty big step for Clint. Then he grabs Val and kisses her against her will. God damn it, Hawkeye. What the fuck is up with superhero archers? Maybe there's something about the type of guy who's drawn to using phallic visual metaphors as weapons to compensate for his lack of powers. Okay, that, that actually makes sense. Either way, fuck that guy. Val takes a swing at the amorous overcompensator and calls him a chauvinist pig, because Valkyrie is fucking dope and Hawkeye is a chauvinist pig. Then she flies off to Bolivia and says that she'll pick him up on the way back. Clint starts waxing nostalgic about other women he's forced his affection upon when he happens to glance skyward and sees that old shellhead himself, Iron Man, is flying into town. Iron Man, aka billionaire industrialist Tony Stark, heads straight to the local branch of ITT Tech, figuring that if any bizarrely high-tech cosmic sex toys had popped up in the area, they would have been the first to know. Sure enough, Tony's hunch paid off. It turned out Professor Martin Figueres has been studying a piece of the evil eye that popped up in the mountainside outside town. Keen. The good professor hands the American superhero the artifact, but no sooner is it placed in his iron-clad gauntlet than a boomerang arrow with a retrieval claw for an arrowhead smashes through the window and snatches the prize from Tony's grasp. Hmm, I wonder whose handiwork that could be. Yup, it's shitty old Hawkeye. The belligerent bowman shoots a bunch of exploding arrows at his former teammate. Each hero thinks the other is an asshole. Guess what, guys? You're both right. The two go back and forth a bit. Clint pours some acid on Tony's head, which Tony fucking hates. Tony pins Clint down with some repulsor rays, which Clint fucking hates. Things look pretty bleak for the shaft-slinging sexual harasser, but with his last ounce of strength, he releases a magnetic arrow that throws Iron Man's aim off, causing him to shoot off a repulsor ray that destroys a nearby apartment building. As Tony flies off to rescue the building's terrified tenants, Hawkeye heroically slinks off with the evil eye to heroically hide in the forest until his hated enemy finishes rescuing the civilians that Hawkeye no endangered. What a guy. So glad he's on our team. I'm sorry, non-team. Meanwhile, in the far-off strange and eldritch land of Fort Wayne, Indiana, Doctor Strange flies over a field of corn in search of the sex toy horcrux that his mystical powers inform him is nearby. Then he sees it sticking out of a cornstalk and picks it up. Oh, that was easy. Now we can just fly back to New York with it and the issue's over. Kind of short issue, but that's cool. Maybe we can have a backup story where we see what Wong does on his day off. No, wait, sorry. For some reason, Steve doesn't just fly off with the eye. He senses that two Avengers, Mantis and the Black Panther, are nearby, presumably seeking to foil the mage from making off with a malevolent MacGuffin. But why doesn't Steve just fly off with his prize anyway? Because... Well, just because, okay? Instead, Steve decides to use his power, as the Earth's Sorcerer Supreme, to dress up as a middle-aged lady and buy a bus ticket. Um, yeah. Great plan, Steve. Unfortunately for Steve, and pretty much everybody, Mantis uses her inscrutable powers of 1970s fetishized Orientalism to intuitively sense that the middle-aged lady 
about to board a Greyhound bus is actually an incognito Doctor Strange, and she kung fus the shit out of the disguised magician. Steve recovers quickly and somehow manages to overcome his disappointment at not getting to tour the bus stops of Indiana as a frumpy housefrau. He finally decides that flying off may be a prudent course of action after all. It looks like he's home free when the Black Panther runs up the side of a corn silo and tackles the reluctantly skybound sorcerer. The two heroes plummet to the earth, unfortunately landing on the property of a paranoid farmer who attempts to blast him with his shotgun. Mantis manages to kung fu tackle the heroes out of harm's way and disarm the disgruntled Hoosier. The antennaed ingenue then turns her martial arts prowess against Steve, but much to everyone's surprise, Steve manages to kung fu her right back. Huh? Strange tells us that seeing as how he did his magic training in the Himalayas, and the Himalayas are in Asia, naturally he learned Kung Fu while he was there. Oh, yeah, naturally. I forget sometimes that anyone who's spent more than a couple months in an Asian country is a master of martial arts. How silly of me. Then Steve casts a spell and makes everyone fall asleep and flies off with his sixth of the evil eye. Like he could have done at any point in the last half hour or so. Seriously, dude, go play dress-up in Midwestern bus stops on your own time. Looks like the current Sextoy Horcrux score is Defenders 3, Avengers 0. And some days it just does not pay to listen to a god of lies and an inbred troglodyte. Wonder what Wong does get up to on his days off. Huh. What is Wong probably up to? Oh, <laughs> boy, Corey would hate to have to come up with that. Hmm. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? Um, I'm fine. I am hopefully hungover. Hopefully. Well, the alternative would be that this is my new normal, <laughs> which oh. seems like a possibility. It was my birthday yesterday, and now that I'm old, I think maybe I just feel like this. I'm hoping, fingers crossed, that I am hungover, and there is certainly anecdotal evidence to support that thesis, as I did have rather a lot to drink. I was there too, man. Yeah. Anyway, uh, what'd you think of the issue? I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. It's a qualified pretty good, but it was it was certainly a lot more fun than the last issue that we covered, the New Teen Titans one. I had some issues with it, certainly, but it was pretty fun. Issues with certain characters' behaviors? Yes. Mm. A couple of different ones. And also, well, we'll get into it. I think I see what you're getting at at first, though. Yeah. Hawkeye's a dick. What a douche. Yeah, pretty douchey. He just keeps going around sexually harassing teammates. Mm -hmm. And that's not great. Especially as I think the way it's written, we're supposed to find it charming. And I don't. And I think we're also supposed to think he's somewhat self-aware because after he, he kisses Valkyrie and when she doesn't want him to and she swings her sword at him, he's like, oh, I guess I kind of get it that she didn't like that, I guess. Well, that's that's good, I guess. I mean, it, it beats the alternative, uh, and he, he's like, okay, I won't do that anymore, so, I mean... Yeah, but at the same time, he was like, I guess I get it, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, and then they did kind of have her be like, still, that was pretty great. And it's like, no, Val, well, you, Val gets to she can... think whatever she thinks, she gets to feel about things however she feels about things, and I appreciate that she didn't give any vocal support to Hawkeye's behavior. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, Hawkeye's... Hawkeye's a dick for a number of reasons in this issue, which we, we can get more into that later uh, as we explore the story a bit more. Initially, one of the first things that struck me about the story is I think the art is definitely a step up from Bob Brown's Avenger issue. It's nice to see most of the Defenders looking the way I think they should look again. And also, while the Evil Eye is still a very poorly designed device, it looked much less like a sex toy in this issue than it did in the Avengers issue, if for no other reason than they, they kept from just turning it vertically, which I think was a wise decision. Yep. Maybe they got some feedback. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, one of the first things that struck me, cover, very misleading. Uh, it has Hawkeye fighting Iron Man, while in the background, the Hulk and Namor and Doctor Strange are leaping in from behind saying, don't worry, we got your back, Hawkeye basically, and Hawkeye's like, I got my friends covering me now. And that doesn't happen. It is pretty much a one-on-one -on -one struggle between Hawkeye and Iron Man. No Namor to speak of. Yeah, nor the Hulk. Mm. Neither of them appears at all in this issue, other than on the cover. Doc Strange shows up, though, and 
<laughs> he does a number of very Doctor Strange things in this issue. Mm-hmm. Including, at the very beginning, Silver Surfer just comes back from beating up the Vision, taking the evil eye, and, you know, causing a not insignificant amount of collateral damage on Ruraturu. Ruruturu? Ruruturu. Ruruturu? On a French Polynesian island. <laughs> and it's like, look, Doc Strange, the Avengers are up in the mix. They're going to try to thwart us. They think we're bad. And Doctor Strange's response is, All right, you must be speaking the truth, but let me consult the Orb of Agamotto. I'm just going to check, you know. I feel like he does that whenever anybody tells him anything, and it is so condescending, and that would drive me absolutely nuts if I was the Silver Surfer. But it is also completely in keeping with Doctor Strange's character, and I kind of appreciated that. Mm -hmm. And what the orb tells him is it just shoots in and it's just like, confirms vague amounts of things. It, it's such a garbage tool. I feel like it just, uh, what can I do that will confirm your suspicions? The Eye of Agamotto, in addition to being the Eye of Exposition, is I think also... The Eye of Enabling. Enabling Doctor Strange's condescending behavior? Well, I think really what it does is just like, I have some vague suspicions. What snippets of information can you tell me that will confirm that? Because it looks in the Avengers Mansion, and it's like, well, I can tell you that Loki was there, and that one of their members is a former villain. And doesn't give them any of the other information that might be useful. Or like what Loki told them, for example. It's just like, oh, okay, well, you want it to be this. It just proves whatever theory you already have, which is not terribly useful. But would explain some things about Doctor Strange and why he relies on it so much. Do they ever have that lead him astray? Well, it does in this issue. I guess the whole conflict is in part yeah. a misunderstanding. Indeed. Subterfuge and misunderstanding. I was kind of disappointed we didn't get to see any of Dormammu and uh, Loki yucking it up in this issue. Yep, no more prancing around. Ah, man, I miss I miss him strutting like a peacock. Mm-hmm. So proud. Hands on his hips. Majestic. <laughs> like a majestic peacock. Just wait. So, in this supervillain team-up, we've discussed on the show, I believe, before about your own encounters with a supervillain team-up where <laughs> a goose and a peacock teamed up. Uh, Two. Terrible. One of them bit you through a fence and the other one charged at you while the goose held you in place. Is that correct? No, no. The peacock fanned its feathers. Sure. Which was interesting to me as a kid. So you went in for a closer look. Yeah. Yeah. And then the goose bit my nose. <laughs> through the fence. Yeah. The that chicken wire is almost exactly the same size as the goose head. It's amazing. Do you think they had it planned out? Maybe they had to have practiced. I think they do. I really think this was a supervillain team up. It's like a snake striking. So Deadly in accuracy. that scenario, clearly Dormammu is the peacock because he likes to strut like a peacock. Yeah, Loki is the goose. Loki is the goose. Yep. Makes me like Loki less. Yeah. And I already wasn't crazy about that guy. I thought that, that was the guy. fucking goose's name, too, because this was like hippies in New Hampshire. I bet they're like, yeah, he's the trickster. Ah, man. So here's another thing that comes up in this <laughs> issue that relates to Norse mythology or Norse mythology as it is portrayed in Marvel comic books. When Hawkeye and Valkyrie, when they get to Monterey, everybody exclaims things in Spanish at them, mm -hmm. which I, my grasp of Spanish is how you say non-existent. But I think I got a pretty good idea of what they were saying. You can correct me if I'm, gonna, I'm wrong about let's this. Let's do this. Let me read the Spanish and you give me your translation. Okay. That sounds fun. Okay. Caramba! Un caballo con alas y dos personas fantásticas. Okay. Caramba means, hey, I'm Bart Simpson. <laughs> so he's saying, hey, I'm Bart Simpson. And... There's a flying cowboy and two fantastical people. That is pretty close. Yeah? Yeah. Is a flying horse? It's um, a horse with wings. Okay. A horse with wings and two flying people. And two um, super oh, Sorry. Super and two, two people that are two fantastical beings? Like two superheroes. Okay. Okay. Yep. He goes on to say, Nunca beberé tequila antes de la noche otra vez. I must have had one too many tequilas last night. Close. I would translate it more like, I'm never day drinking tequila again. Oh, that's good. Because I was worried that seeing two superheroes on a flying horse was a symptom of a hangover. And I hadn't experienced that today, which would lend credence to my previous theory that now I am just dumb and this is what being old feels like. 
Nope. He's oh. just got a... He's strong in the... Deep in the depths of a tequila dream. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy says... The other guy says, ¿Qué pasa aquí? ¿Qué quieren ustedes? And that means, what's happening here? Where am I? Close. Very close. The second one is, what do you guys want? Oh, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what I wanted to get to is, Hawkeye then says, I knew I should have taken that second semester of Spanish, which was actually kind of a funny thing for him to say, I thought. And then Valkyrie goes, oh, this must be Spanish. Since I was created by the Enchantress, I only speak English. Now, I love the idea that in the Marvel Universe, well, because I was created by an ancient Norse person, clearly I only speak Elizabethan English, like the ancient Norse gods did. I see where you're going with this. (laughs) Here's a little bit of a logic problem. Yeah, but whatever. There's a number of logic problems with Valkyrie in this issue because we once again see that she has... (laughs) <laughs> the memories of when she was the Enchantress, sort of, mm-hmm. sometimes, mm-hmm. and sometimes that affects her thinking, and other times it doesn't, but that is also the totality of her character, so they haven't ironed out the problems with her origin yet, or by ironed out, I mean complicated enormously, which is what happens later with her. But it's still fairly complicated, and it's tough to figure out what's going on with her. But she does say something that I really enjoy. Right after Hawkeye says something that I really enjoy, Doc Strange appears in the clouds like like the sun in Teletubbies. That's the baby head. <laughs> I feel like I should know what that means. I mean, I know what it I means don't from think context, yeah. but I've never have seen this. Oh, you're missing out. It's a fantastic program. Okay. I've never actually seen it either. Oh. Um, okay, so they got a sun baby head. Yeah, they got a the baby head appears in the sun. Uh, but in this case, instead of a baby head, it's Doc Strange. And he's like, hey, the Avengers are a bunch of dicks. They're gonna try to keep us from getting the evil eye for some reason. I think Loki's fucking with them. Anyway, I'm going to Indiana. I'll see you later. Hawkeye's response is, Avengers? The Avengers? I'll admit they're acting all weird, but... And then Val's response is, but nothing. If Steven says they're after us, it's true. I hate the Avengers anyway. Yeah. I really like that. And then he points out, you've never met the Avengers. The rare voice of reason. (laughs) Yes. That's the enchant... That was a different person pretending to be you, but that wasn't you. But you also have that person's memories, even though that person didn't exist. That's where it gets complicated. I feel like, though, it's also a convenient thing for when she does or says something that Hawkeye doesn't like. He's just like, oh, that's just the Enchantress talking. Well, and that is clearly what he says later when after he's, he he kisses her against her will and she punches him and calls him a chauvinist, filthy chauvinist pig, which, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, that's the Enchantress talking. She always speaks in cliches. But okay, I guess I will briefly stop sexually harassing you crazy lady. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. But you're right. I I think it does make sense that that is, and that is how generally I read it, but also she really had never met the Avengers before. So he had a point. In that one brief context, yes, he did. Other than the ones on his arrows, am I right? No. Oh, God. What's happening, Cora? (laughs) It's okay. The bad jokes are kicking in. I I don't have any children. I'm just old. (laughs) Yep. And, Corey, Hmm. I've been meaning to ask you this. Who are those two superheroes on a horse with wings? What what do you mean? Oh, I'm probably just hungover. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's when you're actively drunk that you see them. Well, it's not really an either or right now, Corey. Oh, that's true. (laughs) The old hair of the dog. Indeed. That hairy, hairy dog. So, I have a question. Yes? On page three, is it because of the orb of exposition that... How does Doctor Strange know where to go? Silver Surfer busts in and... Well, and, they had and, previously known all of the locations of the different eye parts. And so that's how he knows where to go to fly to... Yeah, remember Fort Wayne, Indiana. He had already decided he was going to go there. Oh, okay. He doesn't explain why he... He just knows which cornfield it's in? Yeah. Well, I mean... They had some magical way. He's got magic. Yeah. And that, that part didn't bother me. They I all, just, know, they I all knew where forgotten. to go. Like, I knew they had a general idea 
of where they know which city everything's in. So I think they just go to the city and start poking around. That's like what uh, Mantis and and Black Panther were doing. Yeah, I felt bad for they're just like walking around in a cornfield. They're like, man, we're never gonna find this thing. But it did kind of bother me that they did send the only two non-white members of their team together, but that they're like everybody else is on a solo adventure. I guess the Vision and Scarlet Witch weren't, but they're a married couple, and also she didn't do anything. But they're all breaking off individually to fight an individual battle, and then they take the two only non-white members of the team and are like, yeah, together you guys are probably like one person. Mm. That's kind of shitty. Yeah, and I was surprised too that they, like, we know Hawkeye, he admits, he's like, I'm the weakest. Yeah. But they haven't fight Iron Man, who's not at all the weakest. He's no. described as like the second most powerful. Yeah, I would I would argue that probably the swordsman is the weakest, and they sent him off on his, the Avengers sent him off on his own to Bolivia because he's like, hey, oh, Bolivia won. I like the powder. <laughs> That's my swordsman accent. That's a very good swordsman accent. That Thanks. is exactly what he sounds like. It's because he has that little mustache. Yeah. Believe me, I know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about Doc Strange's battle with Black Panther and Mantis. Why didn't he just zap them at the beginning? Or just take the orb and fly away? He's like, oh, well, I can't be invisible and fly at the same time. Therefore, right now, he has been invisible and flown so much in the past. And, yeah, I don't know why he did do that. So he's wanted to dress up as a Midwestern lady. <laughs> yeah, maybe that was unrelated. Because was his plan to just take the bus back to New York? Or just away from the Black Panther <laughs> and, and Mantis. And Mantis. Yeah. But, like, pretty slowly. Like, he's got a cloak of levitation. Well, I've got the eye. They're on foot. Whoop, up to the clouds. And then back to New York. That makes perfect sense. Or he does have some kind of bullshit like, well, I can't fly and be invisible at the same time. Which reminds me of that one episode of Thundercats that I saw in college. There was a thing in that which was as Tigra was heading off on his adventure, somebody yelled at him, remember, you can't turn invisible when you're underwater. And wouldn't you know it, that came up later in the story. Oh. <laughs> it's the same kind of thing. Just like, oh, well, let's throw this limitation on here for no apparent reason. However, if they had not done that, we would not have gotten to see Mantis violently <laughs> kick an old woman under a bus. Which I really enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. That was Black, really Black Panther is just like, Mantis, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? That's so rude. We don't know each other very well. We're new co-workers. We go out on our first mission and you kick an old lady under a bus. He, he's really surprised. Understandably so. <laughs> She's like, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> just trust me. I know what I'm doing. She kind of knows what she's doing. I don't think she's as good at Kung Fu as she thinks she is. Because I can't believe that Doctor Strange is that good at Kung Fu. I do not like the idea that Doctor Strange is that good at Kung Fu. And that he just offhandedly says like, Well, I did live in the Himalayas, so of course I learned Kung Fu. That's an Asian place. Yeah. Ah, fucking Doctor Strange. Mm. But also, so I already referenced the Thundercats, but... It reminded me of a different cartoon trope of my youth, which is Voltron. Oh. I never understood why, okay, when they form together into the lion, it's super powerful. Just stayed the lions. I'm sorry, they're lions. But yeah, when they form the together robot. into the giant robot from yeah. the individual lions, it's super powerful. And then they just step on whatever they're fighting. Why not form Voltron right away? Why doesn't Doctor Strange form Voltron right away? Just be like, oh, I didn't want to do this, but now I'm using a spell and you're asleep. And then fly off. Because nonviolence. Oh, you mean like when he tries to karate fight? He tries to avoid getting karate chopped. <laughs> and only three people have ever been able to elude her so far. I wonder if she keeps a running tally as she goes on, and if it's like a new person every issue. And so like half a year from now, it's only 27 people have ever been able to elude my karate chop. Mm, that would start to erode your confidence. I would think a little bit, but I don't get the impression it would as much with her. There was also a pretty fun reference in here to a comic book that I liked that was coming out around this time called Beware the Claws of the Cat. It's when Black Panther and Mantis show up. <laughs> when, you, when you said that, I my brain heard it like C-L-A-U-S-E. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> no, that's that's what it is. It's it's a lawyer comic book. <laughs> the cat it's, has it's about a cat that's a lawyer, very, right? very tricky. You've got to read the fine print when you enter into <laughs> any kind of a contract with a cat. No, it was C-L-A-W-S. Okay. Like Santa Claus the, from <laughs> the pro wrestling video game <laughs> that I played once. Oh, <laughs> shit. Are you serious? Yeah. He had claws. Oh, no. I can't remember what that game was, but uh, I would not be that surprised if somebody told me about it. I think it was for the Intellivision. But, no, there was a comic book called Beware the Claws of the Cat, and it was one of four comic books that came out within a calendar year when, in the early 70s, Marvel thought they could cash in on this crazy new fad called feminism. And have they had four books that were initially at least all written by women authors that had female protagonists and in at least a couple of cases were also penciled by women hmm. they're a mixed bag but actually claws of the cat was pretty good the other two were uh night nurse and sheena the she devil and less, by less four i meant somehow. three what less progressive somehow night nurse uh, no, not really, actually. It, Night Nurse was pretty dope, actually. Uh, and she, they have brought her back a, a, as a character, and she now is the character that Rosario Dawson plays on Daredevil. Oh, yeah. I did not make that connection, but I could see that. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. I know that she uh... is a character. I think they, well, no, they conflated her with Claire Temple who was a different nurse character who was from the Power Man comic books. I think the reason they didn't use her name in the later is because her name was Linda Carter. Oh. Which was just a weird coincidence because it was before the Wonder Woman <laughs> show came out. But, yeah. But anyway, Claws of the Cat was was a kind of cool comic book. <laughs> and then that character went on to become Tigra, who is a not the one from... The Thundercats. <laughs> I'm so confused. I know it's confusing. I'm sorry. And it's not made less confusing by the fact that as we talked about earlier, I am dumb today. Yeah, me too. This is sorry. It's not good that we're both... It's not ideal. Hang over handicap. But the, uh, the character, the cat, went on to become Tigra, who got some kind... It's a complicated origin, but she became part tiger. She became a tiger woman. Mm. But initially, she was just a woman who was, like, peak physical capabilities and had cat-like reflexes and stuff due to some experiment that she underwent. Mm. But then a different character, who became called the Hellcat, uses her old costume from when she was the cat. And her new costume, now that she's a werecat, is a little bikini. Oh. Yeah. But also, she... Uh, has fur so weird yeah i don't remember why i started talking about that i oh yes i do because <laughs> there's a fun reference in it to that comic book ah where black panther shows up and the people are like a oh, cat man i heard there was a cat person but it was in chicago and it was a lady i was wondering what that was that's about. who he was talking about and i like Black Panther, he takes it in stride. He's like, no, you're thinking of somebody else. This probably happens to Spider-Man and Black Widow all the time. Which mm. I'm like, that's kind of cute. I wonder if it does. Mm. I suspect not. But still, good for you. Very reasonable. And then he's like, no, I'm Black Panther. And the guy's like, oh shit, you're a Black Panther? <laughs> he actually stutters. stutters. Yeah, he She's stutters like, the word black. black. I think he may have just stuttered the, <laughs> the word black. Um, he seems like a hayseed. And Mantis is just like, no, 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 it's cool. He's one of the Avengers. But that, that was kind of a fun moment. And I enjoyed the reference to a Beware the Claws of the Cat because I liked that comic book. And then right after that, they have a, a run-in when they're having a fight on some guy's farm. Yeah. And, some... and the guy has a very unreasonable yeah. logic to why he wants to shoot them. That is not his real reason that he gives. He wants to shoot them because there's people on his land and it gives him the opportunity to try to shoot somebody legally. But the way that he frames it is... They're they're gonna... Yeah, they're going to spook the livestock, so I better fire a shotgun. Exactly. Come on. Yeah, that guy, that is... I think maybe it was the kind of thing where he has to say that out loud. Like, oh, they're coming right at me type of thing uh, yeah. uh, in case there are any witnesses mm -hmm. he, he's like what excuse can I make real quick because I really want to shoot these people yeah creepy yeah so then Mantis kung fu's him pretty good yep she uh, saves both both Doctor Strange yeah. and the Black Panther so good for her Black Panther acquits himself very very well against Doctor Strange's Himalayan kung fu <laughs> yeah well Black Panther is fucking rad I wish we got to see more of him I like that he 
runs up the side of a silo and tackles Doctor Strange out of the air. That's pretty cool. You ready to get into the minutia? Yep. I think we better. It's basically a couple fight scenes. Yeah, really the whole issue is is basically there's two fight scenes uh, and some sexual harassment Mm -hmm. and some racial profiling. Yep. You want to sing us into this one, Rick? We got minutia. It's not the biggest part. It's just minutia. Like Corey eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. Thanks, Rick. You sing like an angel. Indeed. I look like an angel when I'm sleeping. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Anyway, (laughs) what do you feel like starting with? Sounds. Okay. I would suspect we might have the same two sound effects, because there were two that really stood out for me. Do they rhyme? No. Ah, I have two that rhyme. Okay. Well, what was was your first one? You mentioned that it was cool when Black Panther ran up the silo and jumped off the top. Uh Uh-huh. And when he did that, his jump was so mighty that it crunched in the roof, and the noise that it made was crump. Crump? Yep. That's pretty fun. Do you think he was crumping? Yeah, like those uh, clown like doing dancers. That cra- yeah, doing a crazy clown dance mm-hmm. at people. I Maybe. think they did that in one of the uh, Bring It On movies, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm. Those are fun. I've only seen one of them, and I remember it being pretty fun. Not as good as You Got Served, though. Nope. God, I love You Got Served. We should watch that again soon. Okay. All right. Then it's agreed. What was your favorite sound? That was The that one was that actually... I really liked, along with Crump was one that rhymed, did rhyme with Crump. Okay, we have which the same is, one. when a building comes down in Monterey, Mexico, it makes the noise that, you know, a building being destroyed by a repulsor beam makes, which is rump. <laughs> I think <laughs> you're supposed to, there's two R's at the front. Yeah, it's rump. <laughs> That's why I said it like well, that. It's in Spanish. Oh, so you, you think have I to should... roll the R's. Wait, so the sound, okay, rump. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't think I could roll my R's, did you? I wasn't sure, actually. I felt bad for a second. That's okay. I cannot I roll my through. R's. Really? Nope. I'm sorry. It's a tragedy. Rump. That's very nice. Good <laughs> Thank job. Thank you. I dug the, <laughs> the rump, and I like the idea that because it makes a shaking motion that, that is collapsing the building, that theoretically Iron Man could call his repulsor beams rump shakers. <laughs> <laughs> Theoretically, he could. (laughs) Well, whoop. There it is. Boom. My other favorite sound effect is an old favorite that we've seen from time to time. But it is the reason why you do not go into the sewers of New York City. I suspected you would pick this. Chud. Yep. Which is the noise that an acid arrow, a vial of acid, basically, being cracked over Iron Man's helmet makes. Mm Mm-hmm. You know... Chud. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> they drew the words, the letters all drippy. Yeah, because so, it's acid. Yeah, so you could tell. And because it's chuds. Ugh. I do not trust chuds. Why would you? I wouldn't. Okay. Agreed. Fine. You want to move on to sartorially speaking? This one was tricky. Really? I yeah. thought there were some nice things to talk about in this one. I had to look through several times, but I did come up with a clear winner. Oh, okay. Well, I got two. So I actually really enjoyed, this is one of the first times we've seen more of Mantis's outfit, and I think it's kind of cool. It's pretty weird looking, but it's like kind of almost a Vampirella type outfit, but one half of it is yellow and one half of it is green. I like those colors together. I think it's weird that she doesn't have any shoes. I think it's weird that she has antennae. I also think that's weird. But I also, sartorially speaking, would like to discuss a certain professor... Aha! Is this yours? Yes, indeed. Why don't you discuss him? I think his suit is dope. I think his suit is dope, too. It's Professor Martin Figueres. Sure. All right. And he has a dope suit. Mm -hmm. It is brown and green vertical stripes. I guess depending on the print you're looking at, they also looked uh, maroon in the one that I was reading. Okay, instead of brown. So just green and maroon candy stripes almost. Mm -hmm. It's a good looking professorial thing. Man, I like how professors dress. Mm -hmm. I think I told you. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about getting a corduroy jacket with some leather patches and some some turtlenecks. You do not own such a thing? I own that jacket, yes. Okay. I don't own. I don't own any turtlenecks. I need to get you yet. some turtlenecks. Yeah, and maybe some brown slacks. Mm-hmm. Like a cranberry colored turtleneck, or is that too funky? No, no. That, I, Corey, I'm very funky. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I 
I'm a very funky person. Yeah. Right? And I really want just kind of like my stylistic go-to to be Donald Sutherland in the early 70s. I can see that. Okay. Like, I, th- I think that I think that's a good look. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the show, but, but currently I have a handlebar mustache and shoulder-length hair, which is... A relatively new look for me, and I got my license recently, uh, because I got it renewed, and I was like, oh, I look like I should be playing bass in a Foghat cover band, (laughs) and I kind of like that. You should get a bass. Yeah, and learn how to play it. Mm -hmm. Or learn how to play one song on it anyway. Yeah. 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 Slow Ride. Yeah, well. Probably. That's their only song. They have a lot of songs, but if you're in a Foghat cover band and you don't know how to play Slow Ride, Get out you're not going to last very long in this business. Nope. Not even if you're America's songbird. <laughs> oh, not even if you look like an angel when you're sleeping. So, yeah, sartorially speaking, that's a nice little jacket Martin Figueras has. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Professor Martin Figueras mm-hmm. has. What? And I had some trouble finding this one. What was your I Just Gotta Be a Sucker? This, I'm kind of grasping at straws here. Understandably so. It's, at this point in the story, the wheels have all been set in motion. So, everybody's just kind of acting out their role. So, it, it was tough for me to find one. And I had to do kind of a stretch as well. What was your stretch of an I just gotta be a sucker? So, my stretch was, like, we know Doc Strange does have to go have his fight scene. But, yeah. on the other hand, he's been more than happy to hang out at home and protect the statue. I agree. And he also is like, no, no, this statue has been my responsibility from the beginning. Why? You didn't turn the Black Knight into stone. You didn't involve him in that adventure. Because you actually kind of rescued him. I'm in charge. Yes, he's the real Charles in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that but seems... him being in charge makes sense. But he can be in charge from his Sanctum Sanctorum. When Silver Surfer is like, I'll go out there and help. There is no real reason why he's like, no, no, no. I'll do this. Like it's of, important why, that yeah. I do this. Why all of a sudden yeah. is he super motivated to go do his part? I went with one that is arguably maybe even more of a stretch because it, it does go back to the last Avengers issue, but it is revealed that what happened in that last issue wasn't I gotta be a sucker moment, which is Mantis saying that she can sense that she is needed to go with the Black Panther in Indiana when she had been planning on going with the swordsmen to Bolivia. Mm-hmm. So she's like his partner. They're romantically involved, I believe, at this point. And they have a very strong and close relationship and they help each other fight. He's going to Bolivia to get the peace there. And Black Panther's like, and I'll go to Indiana. And she's like, I can sense that I am needed to go with you instead. I wish I could go with the swordsman, but I will. it, it is very necessary that I go with you, Black Panther. I, I'll be needed more there. How? Yeah, good job. Yeah, great job. I, a way to lose the fleshlight. Yeah, and I mean, we gotta believe that also the swordsman fails in his mission. Maybe if she had gotten with him, she would have helped him. We'll never know. It's true. But I think that she was just having to be a sucker. That was a bit of a stretch, but it's a good stretch. Thank you. At midnight, I did watch the movie that the line, I just gotta be a sucker, comes from. Crush Groove. That was a delightful film. So good. I had never seen it on the big screen before. It was a specially arranged screening for my birthday, and it was a real fucking treat. Highly recommend. Anyway, what were your favorite words that were in this issue? Well, you've already uh, interpreted them for us. Oh, they were the Spanish words. Yeah, I like the guy who, like, that's his just go-to, like, when he sees the winged horse and the superheroes, he's just like, I gotta stop day drinking, man. This is too much. <laughs> I like that, too. I like the, I like the trope of see something unusual, rub your eyes, throw the flask over your shoulder, yep. blink a couple times. And, uh, yeah, that, that was really fun. I actually did decide to go with the whole interaction when Black Panther and Mantis first show up in the Indiana cornfield, and the hit goes, Glory be! You can't be! That is, I heard that over to Chicago there was a cat person, but it was a she! Was that how they talk in Indiana? I think that's how that guy talks, because you can't be, that is, I heard that over to Chicago. He's drawn that way. Yeah, and he's drawn like that. And that that is followed up by the, I imagine Spider-Man had the same problem with the Black Widow. No, sir, I am the Black Panther. B-Black Panther? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I really enjoyed that exchange. So those are some of my favorite words that were in the issue. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, moving on. What's your favorite panel? I had, uh, I think, probably a pretty clear favorite, but also a backup. Okay. Why don't you do your backup? Because I I just had the one that I wrote down. 
The backup is on page 22, and I called it Stranger's Escape. Ah. And it's um, after he's kicked under the bus by the mantis in his old lady disguise, <laughs> and then he bounds away into the air. Is he still an old lady at that time? No, unfortunately. That's a goddamn shame. It really is. I would have liked to see a flying old lady. Yep. Maybe someday. Just out of that whole scene. My favorite yeah. immediately preceded that, and it was the mantis kicking an old lady <laughs> under a bus. Well, Blackpanther is like, mantis! Yeah, I think that really cracked me up. do that. That was just really funny to me. What was your favorite? I liked the uh, the opening panel where uh, Silver Surfer is busting into Strange's That sanctum. is really cool looking. He's coming through whatever the mystical barrier is, and so it's the silhouette of the Silver Surfer. But this, his silhouette, because he's going through a barrier, I guess, it's like television snow. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, staticky and really cool looking. Really he, freaks Doctor Strange out, too. Yeah. It's like, why didn't you knock? Or yeah, <laughs> and it's like he's coming from another dimension, too. There's, like, the crackles around him, like, the Kirby crackle type stuff. And it, it's really cool looking. I like it. Good, Good choice. Thank you. Which brings us to Best Defender, Worst Offender. Mm-hmm. So, let's go with the difficult one first. Who was the best defender in this issue? You may not like this, but I, I went with Doctor Strange. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. I felt like you fucked around a lot. I felt like you should have just put the Dude, two of them to sleep. Dude, you form Voltron right away. Yep. So, seriously annoyed he didn't do that, but he accomplished his mission, and yeah. he dressed up like an old lady, and he didn't hurt anybody. Yeah, so, I guess. Kudos to him. I was just so annoyed with him not Voltroning up in the beginning and just, like, really toying with... He's nigh omnipotent right now, it seems like. And I feel like he was just fucking around and kind of toying with people, and I didn't care for it. So I couldn't go with him. I liked the, his solution to, like, he sees them through the cornfield, and he's like, the smart thing to do is for me to sneak away. The smart thing for me to do is to dress up like a middle-aged lady and wait for the bus. <laughs> <laughs> There's a fair chance. I mean, it is Thursday. That's what I do. <laughs> Yeah, I get that choice, I guess. I, I Like I said, I just, I, I felt... He could have avoided the whole thing by flying off at the beginning or by Voltroning up. He would have I feel a like... delightful story to read if he had done that. That's, that's the way these things work. Yeah, I know. And I did. I I had two that were written down with, with like, question marks. And it was him, and I was like, I, was like, I guess Val? She doesn't Ooh, do a much. ton, but she also doesn't do anything shitty. <laughs> That's true. And I liked that she stood up for herself, and I liked that she told Hawkeye no and punched him and called him a filthy chauvinist. Mm -hmm. And I liked that she said, the Avengers, I hate the Avengers, (laughs) because it reminded me of Grumpy Smurf. Mm, She did go full Grumpy Smurf. Yeah, Mm -hmm. which was fun. Uh, but it's not a particularly strong recommendation for her. It's if she, like, wins the war of attrition by not doing anything particularly shitty in this issue. Which brings us to... Worst offender. I think we probably both have the same. Okay. Three, two, one. Hawkeye. Fuck that guy. Boo. God damn it. What is it with fucking in comic books that we cover? Archers being chauvinist, sexual harassing assholes. That's a good question. Thank you. You're welcome. Also, he dumps acid on Iron Man's head. He dumps acid on Iron Man's head and... Causes a building to be blown up and then sneaks away. He has no problem with the collateral damage that he is causing in the carrying out of his mission. He he was fine with destroying a building full of people. And it's like, oh, that, that'll be a good distraction. Iron Man will probably rescue those people and I'll get away. Mm-hmm. What a dick. Yep. Fuck that guy. Yep. Fuck that hawk guy. <laughs> well, it's kind of a short episode for us, but I think that's warranted. <laughs> that's probably for the best. Thanks so much for bearing with us through this tumultuous episode. Uh, we'll be back more on our regular game next week when we cover the New Teen Titans number 13 as the search for Beast Boy's stepdad continues and we get to see if he was just doing some Frankenstein goofs. Mm. I suspect not. Yep. And then we'll be back in two weeks when we'll cover the Avengers number 117, I believe, and the continuation of the Avengers Defenders War, which I'm looking forward to. Anyway, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can do so at ttwasteland at gmail.com. You can check out our Tumblr site. You can find us at ttwasteland underscore on Twitter. Twitter, where 
By the way, earlier this week, I had a fun interaction with Brutus the Barber Beefcake. I saw that. Yeah, I was having a discussion with friend of the show, Osvaldo Oyola, who hosts the Middle Spaces. And <laughs> I said basically something that about, like, we had been talking about Brutus the Barber Beefcake, who came up on last week's show. And I said something basically about Hulk Hogan being racist, at which point Brutus the Barber Beefcake jumps in and goes, ha ha ha. <laughs> Hashtag strutting and cutting. So if you want to talk to Brutus the Barber Beefcake, I think you can probably, it's Beetlejuice rules. You just say his name on Twitter. (laughs) I didn't at him or anything. But uh, yeah, if you say his name on Twitter, he'll come in and probably say strutting and cutting, Mm -hmm. which is dope. If you say his name three times into the mirror, then he will show up behind you and murder you. Don't do that. Well, yeah, no, because he's busy. He doesn't have time to go around the country murdering everybody. He's out there strutting and cutting. Yeah, be considerate. Yeah, for God's sake. (laughs) (laughs) That is one of my favorite conventions from old school pro wrestling was the idea of, oh, I hate you so much. I really want to cut your hair. (laughs) (laughs) No, I want to cut your hair. We'll settle this in the ring. Mm. Whoever wins this match gets to give the other person a haircut. Harsh. Yeah. Hefty harsh. Yeah, I know. And you know what? Mm. A lot of those guys would have looked terrible with bangs. And I think that's <laughs> mm-hmm. probably the route a lot of them took. Yeah? Yeah. Probably so. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I would do. If I'm ever in a haircut match, uh-huh. I would give bangs somebody all bangs. Around. <laughs> yeah. All right. They're hard to pull off. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll see you next week. If you need any industrial hair care products, we can hook you up. You I know a person. <laughs> it's ironic that that was when Brutus the Barber Beefcake came up was after I heard from that person. That is. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks. If you feel like giving me a birthday present, uh, hit us up on patreon.com backslash Wasteland. We are very close to reaching our next goal, which would make Corey have to do research and me too i just don't mind doing it as much about what aqualad is probably up to with each issue so if you want that new segment money please mm. i'm america's songbird i'm cory <laughs> <laughs> and they know it